When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Football Theory. I'm Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pleased to be joined by the coach. He's a very accomplished man. Was once a high school football coach at Bernard, Capel, Brownwood, uh, Belton, Rotan. Also played college football at the highest levels at Abilene Christian. Actually coached there at Abilene Christian on two separate occasions as well. Uh, spent five seasons on the staff at UT uh, in a number of different capacities. Uh, coaching for uh, different coaches there at the University of Texas. He has a very lengthy resume. Uh, he knows football and we're glad to, we're glad to pick his brain uh, every so often here on Football Theory. He also right now can be found at ShipleyRanches.com. Go to ShipleyRanches.com. Coach Bob Shipley. What's going on, Coach? How you doing? Hey, what's up, Rod? How you doing? I'm doing great, Coach. Once again, I appreciate you giving us a little bit of time. Still buzzing after the Super Bowl. First of all, give your thoughts on the Super Bowl and what were your thoughts about, once again, what seems to be uh, undeniable, inevitable. Uh, and <laughs> unprecedented, which is uh, Patrick Mahomes and what he's done, another Super Bowl championship for the Kansas City Chiefs. Crazy, crazy, man. I, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's a great game to watch. You know, it, first, first, first half was a little bit hard, you know, to watch, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm like everybody else. I, I, I mean, I'm not a head coach in the NFL. Those guys know what they're doing, but when we went to the overtime coin toss, I'm like, you, you want what? <laughs> I thought, well, he's way smarter than me. He, he knows way more than, than I do about it. But I, I would a lot rather have the ball and on fourth down knowing that I got to go for it because the field goal ain't going to do me any good, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. That, that third possession doesn't even matter at that point. It's irrelevant. You're, 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 what you're doing is you're, you're, th- you're rolling the dice saying we're going to score a touchdown. Yep. And if you don't score a touchdown, then you you put yourself in a bind and your team in a bind. And that's exactly what happened, man. There's no doubt. I mean, we're at the point now where uh, Patrick Mahomes has proven himself to be such a clutch performer. You don't want him with the ball last. Uh, you want to do everything you can to avoid him getting the ball last, whether that's converting to so make sure that they don't even see the field or if you're in an overtime situation like that. All right. You know what? You want to make sure you're working with as much information as possible, and that would have been to let them have the ball first so that you'll know exactly what you need to do. I, I say that, and then we're talking about going to overtime and losing a game in overtime on the last play of the game. That's as close as my band Shanahan can get. And I just hate it for him, Coach, because he's now been to three Super Bowls. He's been up double digits in all three of them and lost. And look at the gentleman that he's lost to. He lost to the GOAT Tom Brady who's the greatest comeback clutch player in the history of the league. And then he lost to Patrick Mahomes twice, who may be on his way to becoming the greatest clutch player (laughs) and the greatest comeback player in history of the NFL. So, uh, you know, my man, Shannon, if he met up with anybody else, anybody else in those Super Bowls, I believe he'd have a Super Bowl championship right now. But, man, football can be a cruel game, as you know, Coach, as you know. Yeah, he's he's (laughs) taking some hits, you know, but it's uh, sometimes – you got to have a little bit of luck in with that too. I, I thought they did a good job. They did. I, I really thought, I really thought they, 
you know, if had they won, I would have thought they deserved, they deserved, you know, but man, but he ain't messing around. I already got rid of this uh, defensive coordinator. (laughs) I mean, yeah, he ain't not at all. Uh, I was upset with the special teams coordinator. I thought the defensive coordinator did a decent job. That blocked extra kick. That blocked that blocked uh, extra kick was big, man. That blocked extra point was big. And they uh, that fumble that they recovered on special right. teams was okay. also yep. big. And I know that most people out there don't think about it, but that Peter call when you're supposed to flee the area and vacate the area. I don't know if somebody gave a Peter call or not, or guys just didn't adhere to it and didn't listen to it and heed it. But there was supposed to be a Peter call there. So if there wasn't, that's on the special teams coach. So I think the special teams also, man, uh, ended up hurting them in that matchup too. But that's football, man. Football is a game of inches. That ball, the ball was on the ground seven times. The 49ers only got one of them. One. It was on the the ball. The ball was out there. The game was out there. Oh man, it is such a cruel game. Anyway, we'll get back to uh, some more football conversation. That's where to get coaches' thoughts about the Super Bowl. Before we get started here, football theory brought to you by the accomplished Austin Realtor, Laura Baker. We want to thank Laura Baker and the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams. They can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn fan, but a longtime Austin real estate expert. So please give her a shout. Her and her fantastic team, 512-784-0505. That's 512-784. 0505. I just want to talk about the combine invites a little bit, coach. 11 combine invites for Longhorn football players. Uh, that is the most in the last 15 years. So uh, the Longhorns heading in the right direction, especially when it comes to uh, a con- these guys getting to achieve their NFL dreams. So I kind of want to go through every individual prospect a little bit and talk about what they need to uh, accomplish at the NFL Combine. The Combine to me is all about questions. I got a chance to attend the Combine. It's all about questions. They want to answer questions. And some guys have more questions in their evaluation than others. The fewer questions you have on your overall evaluation, and I think the more questions you can get answered, to me, that's going to increase your draft stock. Uh, You look at the guy who's considered to be the highest potential draft pick among the Longhorns, and right now it's Byron Murphy. Well, Byron Murphy's got the fewest amount of questions on his uh, evaluation, right? That's the, you have a fewest amount of questions and concerns about Byron Murphy. Other players, you have more questions and concerns. Questions and concerns, they drop draft stock. And at the combine, you want to answer a lot of those questions. Uh, you want to address a lot of those concerns. And if you do, and you do it the right way, or at least you satisfy the NFL scouts, that draft stock will continue to increase. So that's what we'll talk about today. What are the questions and concerns surrounding these specific players uh, and them heading to the NFL combine? All right, coach, let's start. Let's start with the big men. Why not start with Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat? Those are kind of the two uh, two of Texas' stars heading into the combine. They may have had the best D-tackle duo. Not may have. They did have the best D-tackle duo in the country between Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat. I do believe, Coach, every all the mock drafts that I've seen have Byron Murphy being drafted higher than any other Longhorn. I've seen him as high as in the top 10. Um, I've seen him at 13. I've seen him at 15 into mock drafts. He's going to be drafted pretty high. That's because he's got the fewest amount of questions uh, in his overall evaluation. Um, I do think Byron Murphy is going to go there and show out at the combine. He actually is a freakish athlete. Um, he's one of the more freakish athletes you'll see on the D line. And I think when he go there and people see the, the combination of his size, his strength, and his quickness, 
ball geo, uh, you know, BGO, ball, uh, ball get off ability to move around, change the direction. I do believe that Byron Murphy actually is going to increase his draft stock. I think that's the, the expectation, which is why he's higher up on a lot of people's draft boards right now than most Longhorns. Yeah, I, th I think you're probably right. And, you know, the defensive line position, as we talked about on, I think it was last week's show, uh, or maybe two weeks ago, but the defensive line is that's the prime you were pointing out through your research. The that's where the money is, that's where those guys are making the most money. They are uh, the hardest to find. Um, it's different when you go to look at quarterbacks. How many times have you watched a draft and and they got all these cameras, for example, in a quarterback's face, you know, and mm -hmm. He slips past the first round and he slips past the second round and he slips past the third round. I feel so sorry for those guys, you know, because you never know what what word gets out on these guys and uh, and their draft stock starts falling yep. and mm -hmm. people start being afraid of something or whatever. Well, why didn't they take them? They must know something we didn't know, you know, or whatever. But in this case, with our defensive linemen, I, I, I don't see that happening. I, I, I think uh, – you know, I, and I'm I'm not so. You know, a lot of almost everybody's saying Byron's going to go first. I that that may be that way. That well may be. He's he's probably has an edge on uh, Travandre in terms of his uh, pass pass rushing. But uh, you know, again, as we've talked about before, it all depends on what what teams' needs are. If I've yep. got if I've got the first round draft picks, and I've already got a Murphy type guy. I need me a, I need a sweat. I need a big guy in there. Uh, you know, somebody could reach up and take him too. You never know, you know, what, what's going to happen. We've seen that so many times year after mm -hmm. year in the draft. Uh, but I think our, our two defensive linemen are in, are in pretty good shape. Uh, I agree with you coach. I, I, and honestly, I think almost every team in the league could use either or a Byron Murphy or Tavondre Sweat, uh, you know, that either you got that nose tackle uh, that can clog up multiple gaps, demand the double team, or you got that three technique who can be a force run defender, but also be a guy that can pressure the, the, the passer. Here's the numbers that I brought up uh, a couple of weeks ago, coach, you were talking about. You go look at the top 16 highest paid defensive players in the NFL on average annual salary. Eight of the top 16 are interior D linemen. Six of the top 12 highest paid defensive uh, defensive players from last season in the NFL based on guaranteed money are also interior defensive linemen. And the reason is simple. Uh, teams want to play with lighter boxes. They want to play with two deep safeties so that they can devote numbers to stop the pass. If that is the case, then you got to play with a lighter box. If you're playing with a lighter box, you want a big man up front, big human who can demand a double team. That will flip the numbers advantage back in your favor if it takes two to block your one. Or you want a, a, a human being that is so massive, like a Devontae Sweat, he is literally clogging up multiple gaps, <laughs> taking up multiple humans with his sheer size. That is Devontae Sweat. And what gets these guys paid is just not that ability to be an interior D tackle and a, a force run defender. That helps. That's the start of it. But then once you can stop the run and force teams into predictable passing situations, can you pressure the passer? Can you flip the switch from a force run defender to being a guy that also can be a pressure defender in the passing game? And that's both Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. I I think that's why both of those guys are going to shoot up draft board. Speaking of Tavondre Sweat, the only concern for Tavondre Sweat is right now the weight. He did not weigh in at the senior bowl. He will have to weigh in at the combine. Everybody wants to see what's going to weigh in. I believe they probably want to see him around 350, 
and some may even want to see him lower than 350. This is a guy that plays at 360 plus. That's why he didn't want to weigh in at the senior bowl. He wants to push other humans around. He was playing his playing weight then was probably 360 plus. They want to see his um his showcase weight. What's his his that's his uh his playing weight? What's his performance weight? And I think that performance weight, they want to see him around 350, 355, and they want to see him still maintain strength. When he loses a little bit of that weight, he'll only have to do it once in his career, folks. After that, it won't really matter. It's all about productivity. But after that, coach, they want to see him lose a little bit of the weight, show that he can shed some of that weight so weight won't be a concern. That's the big question on his resume, but also show that he still has the strength so the bench press will be big with him. As long as he can do that, and then we can see him move with that 350 uh, you know, relatively well in the drills. I think Andre Sweat also going to shoot up draft boards after the combine. I think he's going to have a good combine. No question. Yeah, the draft is crazy. Uh, you know, yeah. we've been involved in it. It's just absolutely nuts. People spend months and months and months uh, training for the combine. Not, not. I mean, you know, they're going to spend some time, especially on their 40, you know. Yep. And, and once you get through the combine, you get through pro day. If, if, if you run a decent time at the – at the combine, you don't run a 40 in the pro day. You'll never have to probably run a 40 again, you know, never, unless, never. <laughs> unless you're trying to, you know, you get cut, you're trying to make a team that want to work you out or whatever, but you don't ever have to run a 40 again. So it's kind of crazy. Like you were saying, talking about sweat, you know, uh, next year, I mean, you know, a, a guy that big, he, 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 I mean, 20 pounds in, in a month or two months is not that big a deal. One way or the other, I mean, you can lose it, you can gain it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. They put so much stock in that one day, what he's going to weigh in at. But um, sometimes I, I think, uh, you know, the crazy stories you hear about the combine, it's there's way too much overthinking, overanalyzing, and mm-hmm. it seems to me fear of what other people know that you don't know about a guy. Everybody wants, everybody. My, my experience has been, I had a lot of pro scouts when they came through the university. And my experience has been they're 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 always looking for something. <clears throat> you know, we want to tell them the negative. I I didn't I, I wasn't telling them any anything about our players. I was just getting them set up with film and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. just listening to them talk, they're always asking questions about these guys, and they want to find out the the negative scoop. That's what yep. they're looking for because that's what you know finding a positive thing. That's that's nice but they don't want someone else in the organization finding out a negative tidbit that you missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's, it's crazy. And then, as you know, once you, once you come in the draft, once you get there into the combine and they start asking you these questions, I know Jordan's senior year, uh, he was uh, given uh, in the sports banquet, the award for the uh, hardest worker in the weight room. I don't remember, remember exactly what they, what they called it, but uh, Mad Dog gave him that award. Um, for being the hardest worker in the weight room. And, of course, he always had to work hard because he was always rehabbing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, he was always having to rehab, you know, from the surgeries and all that kind of stuff. But then when he went to the – when he went to the combine, they started asking questions. They start – they start attacking him, start saying, well, we hear you're lazy in the weight room. We hear, you know, you know. And they're just trying to get you shook up to see see what happens to you uh, when you get shook up. And that's – you know, that's crazy to me why they would want to do that because, you know, either you play or you can't. You know, I guess they want to know how mentally tough you are or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're going to ask you sometimes I've heard 
of them asking embarrassing questions, talking about your mother or, you know, your family, if it was a broken family or whatever, you know, just, just trying to get you frustrated somehow, which uh, I, I think is ludicrous. But again, you know, I'm sitting here doing a podcast with you and we ain't making decisions on who we're going to draft. So they must know what they're doing. <laughs> no, 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 it's all about pressure because they want to apply as much pressure as they can to see how you perform under pressure. That's what it's about. That's why they want to see whether that be making you uncomfortable, whether it be asking you something that may be a little bit penetrating, whatever it may be. Pressure, 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 pressure. How do you perform under pressure? Those are the athletes they want in the league. Uh, speaking of wide receivers, let's jump right to that. Uh, three wide receivers for Texas will be attending the NFL Combine. I think for you know for for Jay, for, for each of these guys, it's going to be something different. For Jay Witt, it's all about the medical evaluations. Period. I mean, honestly, his forty-yard dash doesn't matter as much. The drills don't matter as much. And honestly, for Jay Witt, I hate to say it, the film doesn't matter as much. He's got to get some positive medical evaluations. He's got a lengthy very lengthy injury history as a player at the college level. And they're going to dive deep into it, coach. They're going, every team wants to poke and prod and pull at every injury that Jay Witts had. And as long as he gets positive uh, reports and medical evaluations, I think Jay Witt will, you know, I think ultimately he will do himself a lot of good at the combine, but that'll be his biggest test as something that's most of outside of his control, but that'll be for him and Jay Brooks. We might as well put Jay Brooks in here too. Because Jay Brooks won't be necessarily performing, but those both of those guys, number one, medical evaluations, and how do they uh, respond to the medical evaluations physiologically? Do they get positive reviews there? And then the interviews, because uh, I think for Jay Witt, that's also going to be big for him. But Jay Brooks won't even be able to work out. So for a guy that's not even working out and having to do medical evaluations, his interviews are going to be huge. You just talked about it, Coach, how uncomfortable they try to make you in those interviews. Well, for Jay Brooks, that's going to be everything. So he's going to make sure he conducts himself with a lot of maturity. Uh, he's got you know a, a positive attitude. And, yes, don't let the coaches get under your skin because it's exactly what they're trying to do. So for those two guys, I really think medical evaluations are probably going to be their biggest uh, concern and biggest issues. Yeah, and, and I think if, if Jay Witt can get past that, he brings uh, an awful uh, versatile skill set yep. uh, to a team. Uh, the fact that I mean, you know, his 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 running back skills were unbelievable in high school. I I, I thought the guy was nuts when he came in and said he wanted to play receiver, but hmm. uh, obviously did a great job. But he's he's also a guy who is really good with the ball in his hands and can run through traffic that maybe others. Uh, you know, might not be able to run through because he has been a running back and he has been able to pound the ball a little bit. So he is a guy who who gives you a little more versatility, handing the ball to jet sweep and doing some things like that. But uh, if he can get past that medical evaluation, um, I, I really think he's a, he's a great versatile uh, uh, draft pick for somebody that's looking for uh, a do-it-all guy because I, I think he can return kicks and punts. I think he can do it all. Yeah, and I think for him, he won't be able to do it until he gets to a training camp, but just showing he can just beat man-to-man coverage. A lot of the times with Jay Witt, he plays in that slot. You don't actually see him lined up against a guy, beating a guy man-to-man a lot of the times. You can see him schemed open, used in motion a lot. Uh, that's going to be a, a concern for NFL scouts. Can he just go beat a guy straight up man in man-to-man coverage on the outside? I think he can. He's got that kind of ability. Uh, stand with the wide receivers. A.D. Mitchell probably has the most to gain. 
at the combine of any of these players. Because if A.B. Mitchell runs, it show, his big question mark is straight line speed. If he can show he's got straight line speed, he's going to go from being the seventh or eighth highest ranked receiver on most people's big boards to being the fifth or the sixth highest ranked receiver on most people's big board. That matters. Why? Because that'll take him from being a second round pick to being a first round pick. Everybody's projecting there to be six to seven wide outs taken in the first round alone. That's going to be three wide outs taken in the top 10. So you could have seven wide receivers taken in the first round. After that, that's going to be a drop off. And that's right where AD Mitchell is right in that seven, six, seventh, eighth receiver spot. Um, if he can prove that he can run a low four five um, at the size that he is right now, we're talking about a low four five or even high four four to a mid four four, I think he'll do himself a whole lot of good, and I do think he'll skyrocket in, on some people's boards past that seventh eighth spot to be more of that sixth fifth receiver spot. If that's the case, he'll be drafted in the first round, and it's unfortunate because this is a guy that's got all the you know he's got all the raw material. He's got great body control. He's got great catch radius. He runs precise routes. But the NFL wants to know if they're going to draft you in the first round that you also have high end athletic potential and your athletic profile does, is worthy of being drafted in the first round. That means he's got to show front line speed. And I've always said just because you have front line speed doesn't necessarily make you a great route runner, a great receiver. Um, you know, I always say having having great speed at receiver is kind of like being well endowed. Just because you're well endowed, don't make you a great lover. It takes a lot to do that. There's a lot of other things that matter. And wide receivers, the same thing. Just because you're a fast at wide receiver, that does not make you a great route runner. And even without that, I think AD Mitchell's got what it takes to be an NFL wide receiver. But he wants to be a first round one coach. He's got to run yeah. fast. Yeah, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head right there. He can certainly in- improve his draft stock. And, and going from the second round into the first round, even uh, latter part of the first round to the middle first round, there's some pretty good money difference there, you know, oh, yeah. for those guys. So it's it's a big deal. Okay, I want to get your thoughts on Xavier. What, what do you think Xavier is going to have to do uh, at the Combine to be drafted where he wants to be drafted? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I think Xavier Worthy, he's ranked behind uh, A.D. Mitchell. So I'm not sure if, it, if X-Man can sneak up into the first round. Maybe he can. Now, if he does, it'll be because of his 40. The problem with Xavier Worthy is everybody expects him to be fast. This is a guy that was clocked by real analytics as the fastest ball carrier in all of college football. They had him clocked at 22.7 miles per hour. That is moving. Every time I asked Xavier Worthy uh, if he was the fastest guy on the team, uh, he was undeniably said it was, he is the fastest guy on the team, and nobody was even close to him. And I asked other players, and other players did indeed confirm X-Man was the fastest guy on the team. So what will he run the 40? I think, you know, uh, mid 4-3, if he goes low 4-3, that is blazing. That'll be one of the fastest times, period, um, at the combine. So I think for him, just kind of proving that, you know, he is as fast as everybody believes he is. But the build of Xavier Worthy, just his slight build as a receiver, because, I mean, Xavier Worthy will probably be around with six. I don't know how how uh, how um how heavy he's going to be, but right now he's about six. 162, what, 170, something like that. 
uh, maybe one seven, maybe one sixty. I don't know exactly what X Men carries, but I think he's he's measuring like six one one seventy. You know, body mass index is a cumulative uh, measurement of like your height and your weight. And I've been tracking BMIs of receivers drafted in the first two rounds for for a while. There have been since two thousand. There have been twenty four receivers drafted in the first two rounds with a body mass index of 25 or less. Now, X-Man is probably at around 22.7. He's very slight. He's a very you know skinny wide receiver. Some would say frail. I'm going to say slight. But I will say in the last five years or so, these types of wide receivers, these slight, small, fast wide receivers, they've become more and more popular. So it been 24 wide receivers drafted in the first two rounds with a 25 BMI or less since 2009. I repeat, nine of them have happened since 2021, since Devontae Smith was drafted uh, top 10 and won the Heisman. So you talk about in 21 years, there were just 14 wide receivers with a BMI of 25 or less drafted. And now you've got 10 wide receivers with 25 BMI or less drafted in the first two rounds in the last three years. But prior to that, like I said, you last it was 14 and 21 years. So it seems to me that those types of receivers, like X-Men, it, in terms of them being drafted in the first two rounds, they're becoming more and more popular in the NFL where you can't put your hands on wide receivers. You can scheme these guys open in a slot. I'll give Sark a lot of credit. I think Sark's pretty much got a blueprint of how to use these types of receivers since he's had a lot of them in his tenure already. So I do think X-Men... He's trending toward being a guy that can be drafted in that second round. He'll have to confirm that with his speed. He also is one of the best punt returners in the country. It'd be hard for me to see X-Men dropping outside of the second round. And he's almost in a perfect place for a team like Kansas City that needs wide receiver help to draft X-Men or to trade up in the second round to get him. Yeah, no doubt. I'm, I'm a little bit worried. I'm wondering if they'll uh, test him um... – uh, how much uh, jamming him at the line of scrimmage? He's, he's so quick. He's hard. He's a hard guy to. Uh, oh yeah. You know, to get your hands on. Yeah. On off the ball, but he is so light that it is uh, probably a little bit easier to reroute him than it is, you know, <coughs> like uh, <coughs> Mitchell. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm with you, man. His his uh, kick returning. Um, what he brings to the table in in the in the return game is um, is he's, he's pretty phenomenal. Yep. he is pretty phenomenal. We, he reminds me of Lamb Jones, Johnny Lamb Ooh, Jones. So nice. smooth, so smooth when he's running. You don't have you don't realize he's running as fast as he is. But uh, I wish they'd have had a clock, uh, been able to uh, time those guys back when Johnny Lamb was playing because I would like <laughs> to see what his speed was. But he reminds me a lot of, of Johnny in, uh, you know, the way that he runs so effortlessly. He's just such a such a great athlete. And and the one thing about X that, that I love about him was there was a lot of stuff going on, uh, whether he was going to come back last season or transfer, maybe uh, it may have thought he wasn't getting the ball enough, this and mm-hmm. that. You know, he had some problems with some drops. And, man, he came back this year, just had a great year, and – fought back to get his uh, his touches uh, and seemed to have a great attitude all season. And uh, I'm just really looking forward to see where he winds up in the draft. Yeah. And Mel Kuyper was asked 
um, what receiver, because it's a deep wide receiver class. Matter of fact, wide receiver is the deepest position in football at any level and has been for the last decade. But year after year, they, they say that, oh, wide receiver is the deepest position in this draft. And once again, they're saying it's the deepest position in the draft. Mel Kuyper was asked, you know, do you what receivers do you like? That are that you would consider a steal that have been underrated, uh, kind of underappreciated among his group. And he said the Texas receivers. He said, I like X-Man, I like A.D. Mitchell, I like the Texas wide receivers as receivers that are underrated in this draft. That includes my man X-Man. And you know what? I was I'm assuming he's talking about Jay Witt too. Who knows? But he definitely mentioned X-Man, he mentioned A.D. Yeah. Mitchell. I even saw an interview with B. John Robinson said that he talked to the coaches, and A.D. Mitchell was a guy that was catching 500 passes after practice. Yeah. to work in that's you talked about that coach and how the scouts they like to hear them good stories but they want to hear reasons not to draft you too they're trying to get those that's a really good nugget about a guy improving their skill set i mean i never seen ad drop a pass maybe now we know why if he's yeah. catching 500 balls out the practice that kind of stuff so, um, yeah, so okay so so that that takes us to another versatile player keelan robinson what do you think about keelan where do you see him uh, I think it's going to be tough for Keelan Robinson. I think it's going to be tough. I think he's going to uh, perform well at the combine. I think he'll have a really uh, good 40-yard dash because he's fast. But the NFL just does not prioritize kick returns anymore. They don't. Uh, I've been looking at the numbers. I mean, you're going to look at the number of kickoff returns and punt returns for touchdowns in the NFL over the last five, six years, and they've, they've uh, decreased every year. Fewer and fewer kickoff returns for touchdowns, fewer and fewer returns. The NFL at this point um, has essentially taken, emasculated the kickoff return because it's such a violent play. They don't want those mini car crashes on that play. Even if the players aren't returning the football, you're still getting a lot of violent hits. They're taking that out of the game. So I think it, where that's being de-emphasized is also hurting guys like Keelan Robinson, their ability to make a roster. He's a boutique complimentary piece on offense. So I'm sure that if he does make a roster, a team can still use him offensively. Uh, but it's going to be it's going to be tough uh, in a league that's de-emphasized the kicking game. So his coverage skills don't matter as much. His return skills don't matter as much. And he doesn't have enough film for that to just be the, the sole reason that team's going to yeah. draft him. Yeah. I think he'll look to be an undrafted free agent, still can make a roster. There's no doubt. Um, Cause there are a lot of teams, probably a third of them that still emphasize or even overemphasize and prioritize the kicking game. But in today's NFL, just being a kick returner, special teams guy, though that's, it's, it's always been a tough way to make a roster. It's even tougher these days. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. He, but he, he does, he does have some good speed. Oh, he does. No question. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, a, as we were talking before we went on the air, you know, you look at a guy like Drake, Drake Stoops, who had great uh, he had great stats, you know, mm -hmm. uh, when you look at his number of catches, his yardage and touchdowns, uh, he didn't get invited. And so, you know, Mitchell doesn't have uh, those kind of stats, but he uh, he has potential. And yeah, they yeah. don't know exactly – what he he was surrounded with such great players in the the in the backfield and and it and uh, kick returner and even uh, you know just versatile all around players. You got Jay Witt and you got X. I mean, you got you got a lot of guys who can do a lot of things. But uh, talk about that a little bit, uh, Rod. Just just uh, how does a guy like Drake not not get invited, and then another guy that doesn't have much much uh, stats and you know, hadn't, hadn't, didn't have the eye popping numbers. We'll get, we'll get a shot. 
Yeah, well, because the NFL is about potential, right? And they're about um, athletic, your athletic profile overall. Um, and Drake Stoops, a highly productive player, really good player, actually. Um, but when you look at the amount of explosive ability that he has um, as a as a playmaker and you look at the athletic profile, you're unimpressed. And I think if you look at Keelan Robinson, yeah, he doesn't have the productivity of a, a Drake Stoops. But, I mean, he has a lot more uh explosivity within his skill set is a guy that can be explosive on the kickoff return uh, he's shown that on even on offense when the ball is in his hands he can make explosive plays you go look at his ex, uh explosive uh play rate he's one of your most explosive ball carriers whenever he touched the football and sark would even show that when sark showcased him as a player um and schemed him open on the edge so i just think that's unfortunately that is the nfl can drake stoops go make a roster in the nfl as an undrafted free agent or even be drafted late of course he can um, but when they when when they're inviting you to the combine, they want to see more of your athletic profile. They want to see you be able to showcase your athleticism. And unfortunately, I think the NFL believes uh, they've seen enough of Drake Stoops' athleticism overall yeah. to to make a thorough evaluation. They still want to see more of Keenan Robinson. That's the good news for him. They're like, no, we want to see more of you. We want to yeah. see actually what you know. You were at Bama at one point. Now you're at Texas. So if you're at those kind of universities, you got some athleticism, and we've seen it flash on film. Now we want to see more of it. So I do think he's got a great opportunity here for uh, Keelan Robinson, no question. You know, another guy like that is you know we talk about that Jalen Ford's like that, right? Jalen Ford's got a ton of great film. 2022 is one of the best linebackers in the country. Should have won defensive player of the year in the Big 12. In 2023, there was regression, but that was because of an injury. So once they learned the combine that he dealt with an injury in 2023, and that was the reason for the progression, they'll probably insert that as a data point in their overall evaluation. And they'll probably they'll probably steer them back to the 2022 film where, yes, he had a lot of turnover luck on his side, but also his football IQ, football awareness, had him in really good positions to make plays. But Jalen Ford doesn't – nobody expects him to be an athletic freak. He's not an athletic freak. His athletic profile is not one that's going to be really, really impressive. He's not going to, you know – Go, he's not going to have a 40 yard dash that is ridiculously eye popping. He's not going to have a really high, uh, you know, vertical jump. He's just a really good football player. And that off ball linebacker, a position that's already been devalued because it's not a premium position, he was probably going to get drafted in the third or in the fourth round. Some people say, That's crazy. Jalen Ford is such a good player. He projects to be a starter in the NFL. Yes, he does project to be a starter in the NFL, but go look at the position, guys. Go look in the, uh, the Super Bowl. All right, go look at the off-ball linebackers for San Francisco. Fred Warner's known as the best linebacker in football. Where was he drafted? Third round. Dre Greenlaw, damn good linebacker for San Fran, who went down that game. He probably would have won that game if he didn't get hurt, actually. Uh, where was he drafted? Fifth round. Uh, the, the young man, Leo Chanel, for uh, for Kansas City, blocked that kick in that game. That's some great plays. He's their off-ball linebacker. Where was he drafted? Third round. Nick Bolton, second round. Off-ball linebackers are not drafted high unless they're just freakish athletes. You know, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. You're a freakish athlete like that. Yes, you'll get drafted really high. Other than that, the NFL's drafting their starting off-ball linebackers, guys, in the third, fourth, and fifth round. DeMarvin Overshawn, where'd he go? Third round. And the Cowboys loved him. They were projecting him to get starter reps last season. That's just where the value of the position is. Unfortunately, that's going to push Jalen Ford right there. Do not worry. That guy is a starter in the NFL, in my opinion. One day, once he you know get, gets close to that second contract, that guy is going to be playing on Sundays for a while. Yeah. All right, how about a big guy who used to be – when we were recruiting Christian Jones, he was telling me that he was, uh, he was like a big-time soccer player until he finally outgrew, oh, yeah. uh, outgrew soccer, which – 
which tells us a little bit about his footwork and his, you know, athletic ability. What do you think about Christian? Uh, I do. I like Christian Jones. I think, I mean, he's a guy that went from being undrafted uh, prospect and to be a guy that's going to be a late round prospect. And now there are some projections that have him sneaking close to the middle rounds, right? Fifth and fourth round, potentially uh, NFL scouts love what you just broke down coach. The fact that the guy has not really even had access to this massive frame for that long. I mean, going into high school, this is a guy that basically, in a, since his freshman year of high school, I want to say he's he's grown four like four inches or something like that, and and he's put on a hundred like one hundred and ten pounds or something crazy like that since he uh, was a a high school freshman. As you point out, he was a soccer player. He didn't even think he was going to be a football player. So I think that's what the NFL scouts love about him. Yeah. He we he's coachable because he got better every year he was at Tech. That's one thing good about his film. His film shows a linear progression. Every year he got better and better and better and better. Uh, NFL scouts love that because he's coachable and shows you that he's not reached his ceiling yet. This is not a guy that's even close to tapping his ceiling um, because every year the more reps he got, uh, the more coaching he got, the better he got as a player. NFL scouts love those types of stories because that means the guy has tremendous upside. So Christian Jones is a guy that can end up making a whole lot of money once it's all said and done. Yeah. Um, and I think and, his maturity and, in the interviews will help him too because he just had a great charismatic personality. Yeah, he, he is off the charts character-wise. He is one of the nicest, humble, um, just yes, sir, no, sir type of guy. Uh, I, I think the interviews will 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 serve him well yep. because he's not a guy who is ever going to, you know, he, he's not going to be in trouble. He's not going to – he's going to be a good locker room guy. Um, I, I really like what Christian brings, and I, I, I think his best football is still ahead of him. I agree with that, Coach. That's possible, too. Yeah, I think that's what NFL scouts are thinking about him as well. That's why he's, he's shooting up draft boards. Yeah. A couple other guys before we get out of here. Uh, Ryan Watts. I ain't going to lie. I was a little surprised Ryan Watts got the invite. I'm really happy for him. Just shows you NFL wants to see more of him. But look at the look at the profile, right? He's 6'3". He's long. He's rangy. Uh, they want to see what kind of foot speed he's got. So there's another guy. He's 40. Even though he's got film showing, but his 40-yard dash is going to be huge, showing if he's got straightaway foot speed. Uh, they're projecting him to be a safety. When he went to the uh, East-West Shrine game, they were also uh, splitting reps with him at safety. If he can show that he can run in the 4-5 range with that kind of size, somebody's going to take a chance on him at safety yeah. because he's going to be a safety that can cover. He's shown that he doesn't mind being a forced run defender at that size. And NFL scouts, they're all arrogant. They all believe, hey, man, I can teach this guy. I think Ryan Wise can make himself a whole lot of money at this combine, depending on um, how well he runs that 40. So I'm happy for him. I think that's big. And another guy uh, to wrap things up, Coach, JT Sanders. Um, you know, J my, my, my uh, challenge for JT Sanders is how close can he get to the athletic profile of Brock Bowers? He knows exactly what he's got to do athletically at the combine. He's a freak. He's a five-star athlete. The closer he is in his athletic profile to Brock Bowers, who's going to be drafted top 10 and since he's the top tight end on the board, I think it'll do him a lot of faith because people will go back to his film. And if you go look at him as a receiving threat, he actually is, he's not that far from Brock Bowers. I don't think Brock Bowers has a huge advantage on him as a prospect, as a receiver where Brock Bowers has the big advantage on JT Sanders is as a blocker. He is a much more uh, evolved, developed blocker than JT. But JT can always say, hey, man, I've only been playing tight end for three years. 
All right. So you can JT's got a lot of upside and he's got a lot of potential. This is a guy that's basically a raw physical athlete. They turned into a tight end and has only been playing the tight end position now for three years. Uh, there is an argument to be made that at the NFL level, once you teach him the fundamentals of blocking, he's got the athleticism to do it, that he'll close that gap on a prospect like Brock Bowers quicker uh, than most people expect just because he just hasn't necessarily been asked to do a lot of blocking. Um, and he hasn't, you know, evolved as a tight end that long to become a, a, a consistent, capable blocker. But I'm telling you in the NFL, that's what they're going to teach him. And if they teach him that, if that's, if, if, a, if, a, if a team is confident, they can teach him that the rest of it is already, is already there in the athletic profile. Yeah. It's funny how those tight ends get in the NFL and they find their niche in the right program, right yep. place, right time. And, uh, a lot of people are – they're a huge part of game plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't that long ago where we, we didn't even – we didn't even know what a tight end was at the University of Texas, it seemed like. Dangerous species. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think his, his catch re- uh, range is, is really uh, – he adjusted the ball well. He's got a big range where he can catch the ball. And I like what he does. I like the way he breaks tackles after he makes a, makes a catch down the field. It's going to take – it's, it's going to take uh, usually more than one guy to bring him down because they mm-hmm. bounce off of him like a BB on a bird's chest sometimes. You know? Yeah, they do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's a lot stronger than you think he is. And uh, I'd like to get he and Brock take the shirts off and, and uh, take a picture of those two guys together. I think JT's going to win that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't worry, Coach. At the Combine, they make them all walk around shirtless so they can get a good look at them. You know what that is, Cody? You got you walking around and just your tights. They walk on their cat calling. You're going, man, look at them pecs. Man, look at them shoulders. That guy got some nice. Look at that. He got that high booty on him, Coach. I like that yeah. young man. You see, my, you see Mahomes <laughs> with his shirt off? My, that ain't very impressive now. It just that ain't. Show. It, hey, it Coach, I will say, honestly, that makes that should make you feel even worse. A guy with a bod like that doing you. That's the peak, that's the peak of male performance right there, Coach. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh man, I I saw. I said, I, I wish I hadn't seen that, man. I, I, I mean, you I, both. Yeah, I thought he'd be carrying a six pack around in there, but no, he's got the dad bod going. But you got the uh, dad bod but, going. You know, like 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 we said, when it's all said and done after the combine, none of that stuff's going to matter. You know, um, yeah. Just what they can get done on the field and how they can how quickly they can develop and adapt to Sunday football, um, and it's a. Uh, it's just really exciting time for us to have, you know, it wasn't that long ago. We didn't have hardly anybody, you know, in the combine and it's, that's embarrassing, you know, and it's good for us to be back where we, where we are at this point with 11 players. And as long as our staff continues to recruit at the level that they're recruiting at, and uh, especially, you know, now that we're going to, we're playing the best in the, in the country week in and week out. uh, I, I really see this trending well for us in the future. No doubt about that, Coach. Uh, all right, let's one uh, one more time thank our very uh, fantastic sponsor. We're very grateful for Laura Baker uh, Football Theory, brought to you by Accomplished Austin Realtor Laura Baker and the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams. They can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura's not only a diehard Longhorn fan, but a longtime Austin real estate expert. So give her a shout. Her and her fantastic team, 512-784-0505. That's 512 784 0505. Hey, coach, once again, thank you for the time. I appreciate the time and the knowledge as always. Uh, and have a great rest of the week, coach. Yep, I'll do it, man. Take care. 
You too. And I thank you. And thank you guys out there for listening to another edition of Football Theory and watching another edition of Football Theory. Until next time, for Coach and for myself, hook them. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.